Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 94. I have a great interview for you this week, but before I jump into that, I just wanted to share a little bit of updates. I am recording this right now from my home, from my sticks and bricks. I just got back yesterday, the day I'm recording this, from being on the road for over six months. A lot of that time was spent at my camp hosting job up on Mount Hood. And then when that ended, I spent a few weeks just traveling around my beloved Oregon and went and spent some time on the Oregon coast. Um, One thing to point out is that I was traveling in my van squeaky, my original van, not the van that I bought this summer. I ended up getting it fixed and taking it out. And I have to say, oh, I just loved being in that van. I love that van so much. It just suits me so well, the way it's laid out and the size of it. And it's a great, great van for living in. However, even with all the engine work done on it, I'm just not feeling like it's gonna be the van that I'm gonna be able to travel in long-term. I made the tough, tough decision while I was out there that I'm probably going to be letting my beloved Squeaky go and I will be selling it and um, not sure what I'm going to do beyond that, if I'm going to be keeping the Travato or if I'll be selling both and getting something different. So I'll kind of let you all know, but um, yeah, I can talk a little bit more maybe in a future episode about the things that happen, the things I love about that old van and the things, uh, the reasons that I've decided that I just don't have confidence in it to keep going the way I want to go in my life uh, right now. I will talk maybe about that in a future episode, but just wanted to say I did head out in it. It was wonderful. I really, really love that van. And yet there were just some mechanical things still going on despite all the money I put into it that I just feel like It's just not the van to keep me going in the long run. Anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on that because I have a super great interview today. My guest today is named Betsy Benoit, and her story is such a great example of having a beginner's mindset. When she headed out on her very first solo camping trip, she made quite a few missteps. As a matter of fact, she was completely terrified her first night out there. But yet she looked at herself and she kept going and she decided to learn from her mistakes that she made along the way. And I loved her story and I want to share it here with you today. If you are new to solo travel, I think you will get something out of this. And if you're experienced, I think you will also kind of relate back to probably the first few times that you headed out as a solo traveler. Uh, Before we get into Betsy's story, I just want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor for this week's podcast. 
One of the things I'm asked about the most in my solo community is how to connect with and meet other women to travel with. That is why I am excited to have the Wandering Individuals Network as a podcast sponsor. WINS is an RV club for solo travelers of all genders who caravan together in everything from big class A's to car campers. They've got exclusive itineraries where you can hop in and out in places like Mexico, the Southwest, Florida, the Pacific Northwest, and more. And for the month of October, Solo Women RV podcast listeners can receive a $10 discount off a yearly membership. So join today at windsrvclub.com and enter the code SOLOWOMENRV at checkout for your discount. Well, hey, everybody, welcome. My guest today is Betsy Benoit, and Betsy and I met as part of a... um, I guess you would call it a, a learning program that we were both a part of. Yeah. 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 And so we met up recently and, um, and we actually ended up on a little camping trip together with some other members of that experience. And when we had that camping trip together, you told me all about your first solo camping trip. And so I invited you to come on this podcast today to tell us all about your first solo camping trip. So welcome, Betsy Benoit. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So Betsy, do you just want to start a little bit and tell us about maybe why you thought you wanted to go on a solo camping trip in the first place? Sure. Um, well, I, I will say that I acquired the the solo moniker in 2018 when I got uh, divorced from my husband of 31 years. So the idea of doing anything solo has been um, a, a kind of continual challenge for me that that I adore. I love it. Um, in fact, a month after our our divorce court date, I was in Ghana, West Africa, doing a fellowship with a nonprofit financial organization. So like for the next nine months, I I worked and played in countries like Georgia and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and Turkey. and, And I'm just, I'm just saying that to lay the foundation that I can travel by myself. I'm, I'm, I feel very confident about that. I can go to foreign countries. I can have all these amazing adventures. So, so when I heard, when I met you and, and I learned a little bit about you and I started listening to your podcast, I got super excited. I was like, okay, I can do this. I'll have so much fun. And it's something that I, I had never done alone. Um, it, and I car camped with my with my former husband, you know, like, gosh, now almost 40 years ago. So it's been a while. Mm. So, so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I got the idea okay. it was from you. So thanks. Oh, so you got the idea to go solo camping from listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yay. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to hear that you've traveled like internationally solo. And to me, that's terrifying. I've traveled internationally, but never solo. So Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you find that you were finding solo camping, I don't know if terrifying is the right word, but scary, a little scary um, is, is just interesting. So let's hear about it. So you you met me, you listened to the podcast, you said, hey, I'm going to go on this trip. So tell us about the trip that you took. Well, the, the uh, opportunity came up pretty quickly. I had a, a friend here in the Northwest that uh, she and I were going to do a road trip to Santa Fe. And then she was going to head back home. And I decided that was the perfect time that I would go on my own from from Santa Fe. I would go visit Joshua Tree, wind up in Santa Barbara with some cousins, and then finish off my my solo road trip from Santa Barbara back up to Portland. And so I was so naive, but I bought (laughs) bought a- Yeah, what'd you buy? I bought- uh, a pad for my car. So I have a, a Ford Edge, which is an SUV. It's a, a 2010. It's got all the mod cons that I could think of. So I, I bought a, a pad that I could put on the back when I put the back seat down so I'd, I'd be comfortable. I had my little sleeping bag. I threw in some blankets, uh, a camp chair, and a little cooler. I wasn't gonna try cooking. I was just like, I'll just pick something up at a, you know, a restaurant or fast food chain. I, 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 and some yogurt, and I'll be fine. So that was it. I was like, I'm, I'm good. And, and went off on my merry way. And when I, so that that was all the prep okay. that I did. I mean, um, that sounds like a good amount of prep. Yeah, I thought so too. And I, I, I wasn't right. Um, um, I had a, I had a lot of self-confidence. I wound up saying, okay, I'm going to pick the halfway point between Santa Fe and Joshua tree. And that's where I'm going to spend the night. And I'm going to, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to start at a KOA, you know, one of those nice big campgrounds so that I can ease my way into this whole car camping thing. Um, and so I, that day, um, it was about three o'clock. And so I thought, oh, let me just make sure Kingman KOA is open and has availability. It was it was in late May. And I called, no answer. I called persistently, probably very annoying on their side for the next couple hours and until they closed. So you did not have a reservation? I did not have a reservation, which is the first thing that I will never do again. Probably, maybe. Um. So, so I, I got to Kingman. Um, and you were let me let me back up for a second. Yeah. Did you? Was it just the day of the, the day you were leaving that you were trying to make the call? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah. Um, day of, 
And the, the beauty, so when I got to Kingman, when I, when I got to the KOA, it was closed. It was after five o'clock. And having never, ever stepped foot in a KOA before, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. And sadly for me, the instructions were lacking. Um, on, on they, they had this beautiful big board of a map of the campground and there's some X's and, and I just, I could. And it's probably some O's. Just, and, and, and I tried to play tic-tac-toe and it didn't work and hangman and that didn't work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but there was no, there were no clear instructions for my brain on I'm here the place is closed. What spot do I take? And I didn't. So Kathy, I didn't even know, am I supposed to take a tent spot? Or because I'm in a vehicle, am I supposed to take an RV spot? Oh, uh-huh. I mean, I, I didn't even know. Yeah. And um, why would you know? Because, because I didn't know that I didn't know. It just, um, this was kind of like the story of my whole night. Um, so I, I, I drove around afraid somebody was going to like chase after me saying you didn't pay and why are you here? And that didn't happen. So I drove around trying to look and see, okay, what, oh, this is an open spot. And I guess I shouldn't take a tent spot. I'll take a RV spot, but I don't need electricity. But it, so anyway, so it's, it's a little confusing your first time, not really understanding what what you need to take up, what what kind of space you need. Yeah. Um, so I guessed. Is that is that? And I'll come back to you, Kathy. Is that normal? Like, if if I have a tent and a car, what do you do? Oh, you, I'm totally taking a tent spot. If it's me, you don't need hookups. The reason they have RV spots. Is because RVs want the electric, the water, and the sewer hookups. And okay. so even if you are in a van like I have and you dry camping uh, without meaning you don't need any of those hookups, taking a tent space is often fine, especially yeah. if there's room for it, you know, unless it's like a really tight, small spot. Or unless it's, they specifically say no RVs in the tent sites. But a lot of times ah. you can just say the the differentiation a lot of times between the tent site and the RV site is do they have hookups or not? So if I'm in a car, I don't need a hookup. I can take a tent spot, but I have, but can any car pull into a tent spot? Yeah. As far as I know, I mean, unless there's something, I mean, most people who are in a tent are drive up in a car, right? They have to get there somehow. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. So these are things I just didn't know. But I learned. So I, I found my site. So wait, where did you end up? Which one did you pick? So I, I, I picked a... Um, non-hookup site because 
And the only reason I chose it was because there were other cars pulled in and figured if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So that's how I made my choice. Good reasoning. Um, but then it's like, I, I didn't know how to pay and I, I wasn't going to just like leave my credit card number lying around. So I was like, I'll just deal with it in the morning and hope that again, nobody like comes knocking at my wind car window at, you know, 6am saying, why are you here? And who are you? Um, and these, and that was the type of fear though that I had that I hadn't recognized I would have. And, and there were things that then happened like it was getting dark and I was trying to get settled in, but I didn't know what settled in looked like. And I started getting really scared because I just didn't know what I was doing. And I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, I was scared. Okay. I was like, I was heart pounding terrified and I'm sitting here in America in a campground with a bunch of other people around me who spoke English that I and I've been traveling alone in countries where none of that was the case and I was fine and I, I discovered fairly quickly that the difference was that when I travel to other countries and I'm, I'm traveling solo, solo or not, I'm staying at a hotel. I've got people around me who are there um, with the idea of, of offering customer service. When you're out there solo and you're, you're camping, you're solo, you are on your own and, and the decisions that you make are are affecting you and there's there's while there might be people around you know it's just me and my car that's yeah. it yeah and, and so i want to i want to ask you kind of like what is it like what were you so afraid of what were you what were those thoughts mm -hmm. crazy i might call them crazy thoughts yeah. going through your mind that made you terrified well i think the first First one was, oh my God, people can see in my windows. How do I give myself privacy? You didn't have any window coverings. Um, no, that kind of missed the, I, I missed that in the whole, I got to go get stuff to go car camping. So I did, I did have a, a, a windshield cover. I had a um, trunk cover and I had a, a plasticky nylon thing that I had used to put on my back seat, just in general, when I, if I was loading a bunch of dirty things in my back seat, it would protect my, my upholstery. And I had had a couple blankets. So I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes, if, and I'm, I might be being generous to myself, trying to figure out how to use these pieces of material and, and attach them to my car in such a way that I would have some privacy. And I was like, oh, just 
you know, roll down the window, put in a blanket, roll up the window, except that it was hot. So I needed to keep my windows open. And I had, I just, I had no clue. And that started to kind of feed into the panic of, oh my God, somebody's going to see in. Not like anybody would care, right? Not like anybody's going around peeking in car windows. But this is where my mind was. So, so that, that kind of got me going. And then just what fed into that then was showing my ignorance. I didn't want people to see how ignorant I really was, which, you know, hindsight's fabulous. If I had gone out to somebody and said, hey, how do you do this? Having gotten to meet some of the the camping community, I'm sure they all would have like jumped on the opportunity to help me. <laughs> it was so deep into my fear that I didn't want to talk to anybody. So um, interesting. Okay. So yeah, I would say definitely the camping community is very helpful and and will give you advice sometimes when you don't even ask for it. But um <laughs> So, yeah. So how did you end up settling in that night and dealing with the fear and dealing with pain for the site? Well, so, so I, I learned a couple of other things that I didn't know. So for example, I wanted the whole safety thing for me was, was very important. So when I, when I figured out that I was okay, I'm set up in my car I'm actually pretty darn comfortable. I I used my key fob to lock my doors. And then just to make sure that I could get out again, I tried unlocking my doors and getting out, which it turns out will set off your car alarm, which means <laughs> that absolutely everybody in the campground knew that I had some knowledge issues. Oh, you were that person, the one I was setting. Oh, you're and was it like after quiet hours? There were quiet hours? Oh, there usually are. Oops. Oh, I'll guarantee you because I must have set that thing off, I don't know, four or five times, being unable to figure out <laughs> how to operate <laughs> locking and unlocking my car doors. <laughs> from the inside I was that horrible person oh my god yeah that yeah. didn't help your anxiety did it oh god no no that that spiraled me just a wee bit deeper I didn't know it was possible um but yeah so that would be another thing that I would say you know pre-planning it's also about getting to know your vehicle and you know, testing things out, like how to lock and unlock your doors, which you think you know right up until you don't. I mean, I knew I was I was in a, a kind of crazy mental space. And so I did a lot of deep breathing, did a lot of, you know, visualization. It's all going to be okay. People around me are here to, you know, enjoy themselves just like me. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I, and I took a sleeping aid. <laughs> on my side. I had to yeah. do yeah. I was such a mess. Um, and I did it. I got through the night. And then in the morning, I was like, okay, I can do this. And and I I got out of the car without setting off the car alarm. So I figured that I was starting the day off well. Went to the office. Wait, wait, and- did you sleep at all? I did. Okay. Oh my God. I, I, I must've slept. I, I probably got four or five hours in. All right. Well, that's not bad. It, it wasn't horrible. It could have been so much worse. Um, sleeping aids are, are, are helpful. Um, so I, I went to the office and I explained, um, that I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and <laughs> They just kind of looked at me and smiled and said, oh, okay, you owe us, you know, whatever it was, 35 bucks. And, and, and so I had the woman take me out to to the check-in place. Like, you know, when they're closed, they have this big bulletin board of information. And I had her show me like, what do I do after hours? And she said, oh, you just lift this big thing up. I said, well, it doesn't say anywhere, lift me up or (laughs) know because most people know what to do I'm like well I didn't but she was very kind and I was able to get some coffee in me which was very helpful Mm -hmm. you know having the the showers and the toilet it was all very clean and nice and I think my my heart rate was still a little elevated by the time I left though because I had two days more of this in front of me. I was, I was supposed to go to Joshua tree to, to this gorgeous national park and car camp. And I just, I really had to do a deep gut check in, you know, can I do this? And importantly, do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I kind of turned to your podcasts and listening to the women talk about um, themselves and their experiences. And what really struck me was, you know, you you asked some great questions and and one of them involves fear and, and safety, especially for, you know, solo women. And to a person, uh, these experienced RVers said, you know, the community is phenomenal. It's it's great, and there's there is safety in the campgrounds. And with that, and my own desire to meet any challenge and conquer it, I decided that I would go to Joshua Tree and see what I could accomplish by car camping in a, in a national. Or campground. So let me get this straight. You woke up the next morning and you hit the road and you decided, I'm going to listen to the Solo Women RV podcast and get inspiration from other solo women who have done this. And then I'll see if I can actually do this or not by listening to what other women have done. Exactly. 
Oh my God. Do you know how much I love that to hear that? That makes me so amazingly happy to hear you say that. You have a, a huge impact and you've had a huge impact on my ability to travel in a way I haven't traveled before. And, and all the women out there who you have interviewed and who have um, told their stories through your podcast, it makes a difference. So wow. yes, please, please know that you, you make a difference. Thanks for saying that. That's my intention. So I am so incredibly honored to hear that. All right. So now you're on the road. I, I mean, I know that part of this story is about your camping experience and and getting to the campgrounds and setting up and going to sleep at night. But I want to hear a little bit more about this solo journey as well, because you're not just camping, you're driving and presumably seeing the sights and hiking and doing other kinds of solo things that were those all like familiar and comfortable for you? I, I would say, yes, it was comfortable because I've been doing that for a number of years. Um, and I honestly, Kathy, I adore being able to drive hundreds of miles and stop wherever I want to stop, take in the scenery, maybe take a photo, um, just sit and gaze at whatever I want to gaze at. Um, I don't need to compromise. I don't need to gain approval from another human being. Um, I can just do what I want to do. And to me, that is the beautiful thing about traveling solo. So for example, when I got to Joshua Tree, I was pulling over, you know, every 15th tree and snapping photos and just breathing deep and, you know, absorbing what was around me. Cause I think just staying in your car or RV and blasting through the miles, um, you, you miss a little something if you, if you don't stop uh, every, every once in a while um, and just absorb what, what's around you. Yeah. Okay. So you made it. So you you left not knowing if you were going to actually camp in Joshua Tree. Now, did you have a reservation for Joshua Tree? So so yes. What happened was that when I started making calls to the KOA and not having the phone pick up, I started to get nervous. And so I pulled over and I got on the recreation.gov website, looked up Joshua Tree and found a campground. Um, and I did a lot of research and, and looked up people's reviews of the different campgrounds. And I found one that uh, I thought would, would fit my needs, um, which was not wildly family friendly. Um, Cause again, being solo, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily want to have a lot of families around me making a lot of noise. And so I found a campground and I booked the reservation for it. I did, but I only did one night because I didn't, I didn't know how well I would do 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so when I got to Joshua Tree, I, I loaded up my little cooler with food for the night and something for the morning, made my way in and, you know, I stopped a lot. So it took me quite a while to get to the campground, but I did get there probably um, around 3.30. Um, which again, I was learning from the night before is really, if it's a new campground, get there early-ish before, before dark so that you had time to prepare. You could prepare your, your vehicle for me. You know, I needed to prepare my vehicle. Uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, the other thing I did do was I had two people that I called after my night of panic. One was my sister who did a ton of car camping. And I asked her, what do I do about darkening my windows, putting up privacy shades or something? And so she helped me with that, which was essentially put the blanket in between the door and the frame of the car. Oh, um, yeah. So that you can roll down your window and have fresh air, but you still have privacy. That was big. And then another uh, woman I called, a friend of mine who was able to talk to me about being emotionally stable is the word that comes to mind. But you know, how to even out my emotions by, and, and being there for me and let it saying that, you know, I could do this. I've done a lot of travel in my life. I can do this. Yeah. Um, so it we does all, help. We all need that friend we can call to tell us that. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was really important that I had somebody who knew about car camping and somebody else that could kind of talk me off the ledge, so to speak. Um, but, uh, and, so that's, and, so, and so just, to interrupt, to sorry, just want to interrupt for yeah. a minute to say, uh, one of the slogans of our podcast is just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. And, and this mm -hmm. is one of the things that we talk about ways to deal with loneliness or whatever feeling comes up is to involve your community and your friends. And sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that was one of the things that I picked up from your podcast, like reach out. Don't just go it alone. Reach out. And if it's not to a, a whoever's camping next to you, then a friend who, who knows you and can talk you through whatever you're going through. It's really important. Right. Yeah. Um, OK, so you were going to tell us all about Joshua Tree now. The Joshua Tree so, Campground. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and it was early enough in the season where you could actually still have a campfire. Mm. So I was super excited. Um, I had some wood and I I got my I got my site set up, I got my food, I was all excited, I was feeling fairly confident that so much better than the night before. And so I started my little campfire in the ring. You know, I did everything you're supposed to do. And then, and then it got a little big, the fire. And, and it started like sending up sparks 
And I started to panic. <laughs> so it's like, I, I didn't want to be that person who's like, oh, yes. And in the news today, Joshua Tree's on fire. Um, so luckily, I, you know, we, I kind of jokingly said, oh, yeah, I have three gallons of water. Um, I used just about a gallon of water to douse my flames because I was so scared that I was, you know, I was creating a campfire that was out of control, even though it was in the ring. That again was another was another lesson for me of, you know, everything in moderation. Just because you have the ability to make a campfire doesn't mean you should make a really big campfire. Yeah. <laughs> Refer to our last episode on wildfire safety. <laughs> but it was you know it was so beautiful and and the stars at night were gorgeous and I was able oh, to go for a little man. night walk and um took some some just lovely photos uh, and felt you know when I when I snuggled into my car that night I felt like I had figured things out because I had also spent about 45 minutes figuring out how to open up, how to lock and then unlock my car so that I wouldn't set off the car alarm. And I'm pleased to say that I only set it off once at Joshua Tree and it was before sunset. So I figure I'm totally off the hook. You know, it was okay. And Betsy, was the campsite in Joshua Tree a little more private than the one at the KOA? Oh my God, yes. It was... You know, I was kind of, I could see one or two other vehicles, but each site was kind of angled away from the other one, kind of like in a, in a circle. So everybody had like a piece of the pie. So you were, you were a little separated. It was, so it was absolutely more private, but without feeling like I was out there on totally alone, which I wasn't ready for. But the night, the night was good. I got a little more sleep than the night before. And when I woke up in the morning, I was feeling like, you know, I, I can do the second night here and, and I'll stay a second night. I was feeling really confident and I went and I scoped out a different campground and I found a campsite that I liked a lot. And so I put my little name on the clip and I, but I had to go out to the, to the gate, which is, I don't know, 10, 12 miles away and, you know, sign up for that campsite. I went into town, got more food for the night, got more firewood. I went back to my campsite and I was back at my campsite at like one. And I had brought some watercolors with me. And so I set myself up. And I had this like really zen afternoon painting and doing a little exploring of the area. And come nightfall, I was feeling great. Like I, I had actually figured this out. Um, I had a small campfire, nothing got away from me. <laughs> Marshmallows and weenies. <laughs> no, I Subway sandwich, honestly. I wasn't <laughs> confident enough to cook. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so by the time I left Joshua Tree, um, 
you know, I was feeling really good about my capability of figuring things out. It wasn't perfect, but I was figuring it out. Um, and that felt, that felt great. Yeah. Nice. So then you went and visited family and then you had another night of camping before you made it back home, right? I did. And I must say, if anyone out there is ever in the Mount Shasta area and looking for a campground, the KOA in, in Shasta Village is phenomenal. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, the town is super quaint and cute. Uh, great views of Mount Shasta. But the, the campground itself is full of these really big, beautiful old trees. The campsites were um, great. There was, there, you know, and it could have been the time I, of year I was there, but there was a lot of privacy. Um, they, were, they were situated really well. The bathrooms were clean, great. It was just, I mean, thumbs up. I would have, I, if I hadn't had to get home, I would have stayed there an extra night just to enjoy the campground. Nice. That's really a good review, especially for a KOA. That's good to hear that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was lovely. Um, and it, everything went like clockwork at that place. I, I, you know, I, I had not made a reservation. See, I was testing myself now, right? I was, I was getting a little cocky because I had had like, I've done this for three nights, even though first two were, were questionable. Um, so I went in, I got there after they closed and I knew what to do because I had done it before. I'd figured it out. I, you know, I had somebody help me at the first KOA. So I knew what I was doing and it felt great. Um, you lifted up the placard and underneath was open slots. Yep. Yep. I, and I, I X'd the campsite I was in so that nobody would like run into my car thinking I can use this spot because nobody marked it as used. Um, so yeah, it just, you know, it went perfectly. Um, and because of this journey of going from um, being heart palpitating terrified from from the first night to the, the fourth night of feeling really comfortable and confident and um, enjoying people around me and the nature around me. I'm really looking forward to doing it again and getting out there. Nice. Hey, so you organized a group campground camp out at the campground where I'm working. Now, was this before or after your trip that you organized that? It was after, and and it was so I could again just kind of cement my confidence that I could I could do this. Um, so not yeah, only, we not I, only did you do it, you were like you were like the star leader of the whole group, and you had everything so well organized, and it went off so flawlessly for a group of people who really didn't know each other very well, it went over fantastic. 
It did. It did. I was, I was thrilled that it went as well as it did that, you know, everybody who participated was excited to, to bring their own views and, and input into it, whether it was um, a guitar, whether it was food, whether it was just, uh, whether it was a dog, everybody brought something to the table that turned out to be really cool, awesome, and, and necessary to have such a wonderful time. And I brought the firewood because it wasn't the fire ban yet. It was, it was perfect. And we, we had just the right size fire. We did. <laughs> for s'mores. It was great for s'mores. Yes, s'mores. And it's a beautiful site. It was great going to, you know, around the Mount Hood area and the lakes around there are so beautiful. And it was a, a wonderful overnight. And I'm actually hoping to do it again before, before the snow flies. Yes, I'm going to be here until October. So let's get another group up here. Ooh. That sounds like a great idea. Oh my God. I've loved, I love this um, transformation that you described that you went through. And I think your story just really highlights how like it's okay to be afraid in the beginning it's okay to not know what you're doing um i mean what what in our lives do we start out doing that we are good at you know not a lot of things most things take at least getting used to even if there's not a ton of skill involved which I don't want to say there's necessarily skill involved in camping, but it takes getting used to. And for some people, different things will come up for them. For you, it was like this fear about people looking in your windows. For other people, it may be a fear of like getting lost or their car breaking down or, you know, there's just different fears that come up. And the more you get out there and face those fears and and do it in a way that is you know like baby steps as you did like you made a reservation you went to a koa which is a relatively safe kind of place to go camping you didn't head off into the boondocks like you know with no services and nothing around you know you went to a, a fairly safe establishment that is well known and then you went to an amazing national park, which is, I think, on most people's bucket list to go camping in a national park. And you went to a gorgeous one. And then you went to Mount Shasta, which is kind of a magical place. So each step of the way, you gained a little more confidence and a little more, I don't know what you would call it, like swagginess, maybe. That's a good word. <laughs> it, it gave me the confidence to then pull together friends and other that to, to, to do it together with other people. So while I was still, you know, camping in my car solo, I was with a bunch of other people and we had a phenomenal time. But see, as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you wanted to share about how this experience was meaningful to you? Well, I think a couple of things um, is number one, 
understanding that traveling solo in your vehicle is a lot different than traveling solo in a foreign country where you stay at hotels. So that, that was a huge realization that, that shocked me. But knowing that I could face my fears and gain confidence despite my initial fears just really has given me a lot of strength within myself, which I'm, which I'm so grateful for and grateful for the solo women RVing community to have been a part of that journey with me. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like this experience might bleed in into other areas of your life where maybe there's some trepidation? I hope so. I, I, I really do. And whatever I do face in the future, I know that I can look back on this experience and rely on it, knowing that I, whatever I'm facing, I can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Betsy, so much for coming on and sharing with us your story. I love, I love hearing, especially how our community was there to help you kind of get through this. So that, that makes me really happy to hear that. Well, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate being able to share my story and wish all of the solo RVers out there a wonderful journey. Thank you so much. I want to thank my guest, Betsy, again, from coming on and being vulnerable and sharing her story with us. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, like many women, Betsy started to explore solo travel when she ended a long-term relationship. So as hard as these endings can be, they do often open other doors and show us how resilient we can be. Number two, when Betsy arrived at her first campsite and had a lot of questions about things like what sites were open, whether she needed to take an RV site or a tent site, and everything that was so confusing. It can be confusing on your first time, and that's okay. Number three, Betsy recommends getting to know your vehicle and testing things out before your very first car camping trip. I recommend this too. And number four, when the going got tough, Betsy called on some friends, the ones who would help her with the camping logistics she needed, and then another who would talk her down emotionally. Think about who would you call if you needed encouragement. Or do like Betsy did and listen to past episodes of the Solo Women RV podcast. There's a lot of other women out there who have been through this. And you can do it too. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. You can join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay updated on all things solo women travel related. The Solo Women RV podcast theme song is Field Station by my friend Nicole Patolsky. Until next week. We'll see you out there on the road. Mm-hmm.